0: You're listening to This Week in Fantasy Baseball.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Week in Fantasy Baseball. I'm Lee Keller, joined by John Ka. Say hello to September. On today's show, we will go over the injury notes and roster moves, discuss a bunch of player performances from the past week, and we'll also be talking about some exciting prospect call-ups. But John, how are you doing this week? Anything cool happening? Well, uh twins have finally
0: turned it around, which is kind of fun. Uh, we're kind of back in the uh back in the playoff race after you know, losing six straight. so uh, that's been fun to follow. Other than that, I mean, notoriously i just talk about other sports on this podcast but football season's also starting up so that's that's fun for me um getting go to a game today uh minnesota gophers are playing college football so it's fun to kind of be back in that atmosphere but uh honestly kind of looking forward to how september ends up for the twins uh because it is a really close race and we've got a lot of division
1: games to play yeah you're only three games out of the wild card do you know how much you're out of the division
0: I believe it's a game and a half. So, you know, classic Ale Central, like the the number one team can't even qualify for the wild card spot. But uh, it's really close because I think we've got like seven games against the Guardians coming up. We've got a lot of games against um, the rest of the division as well. So uh, everyone's kind of got a really low strength of schedule, which I guess plays into everyone's favor. Yep. yep. Um, so it'll, it'll really come down to those head to head contests and see how the twins do. Um, But, you know, we were running on a five-game winning streak. We did lose to the Red Sox yesterday on Wednesday. It happens. Uh, But, um, yeah, it's been exciting for us. How about you for your Mets?
1: We're doing good. We took one against the Dodgers so far. We're in the middle of this one as we record this on Thursday, and hopefully we can come out with a win. We're ahead right now, so that'd be good. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. if we took two out of three from the Dodgers, that'd be nice. We got the one with the Grom win, which we'll talk about later. There was a catch that blew my mind. It was awesome. Yeah. But it's been a good week. It was actually on Wednesday was my four-year wedding anniversary with my wife. So that was fun. We got to go out to a nice dinner. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a good time. So my wife and I got to celebrate that. But other than that, just watching baseball, hoping that the Mets make the playoffs, because I certainly can't in fantasy. So (laughs) at least get something. I
0: feel like like it's a bygone conclusion that they're going to make the playoffs, right? Like, I I don't think. Like, you, you, they'd have to be incredibly terrible over September to, like, not make it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing I want to do is lock up the division. Like, I think no matter what, we'll make the playoffs, but I don't want to be the mm-hmm. wildcard team. I just don't want oh, that course. scenario. Yeah. Like, I don't want to face the Padres in a three- or five-game oh, yeah. series with Musgrove, and I don't yep. want to deal with that, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, you guys are ahead in the pennant racing right now, right? Yeah, At yeah, we're
1: doing games, well. So. We are, I believe, we're three games ahead. Yeah, 3 games ahead of the Braves. Okay.
0: Yeah, I guess the Dodgers are kind of I kind of forget how good the Dodgers are this season. That's... The
1: Dodgers are 18 and a half ahead of the Padres.
0: Yeah. They're, They're 90 and 39. 39. And they have a month. Yeah. So a month of games. Like they could go they could go 500 and still break the 100 win mark.
1: Oh, easily. I mean, it's yeah. it's not even a question at this point. This team is just ridiculous. It's actually insane.
0: Yeah, we're going to going to talk a little bit about Mookie Betts in a little bit, but It's kind of incredible, actually, how good that team is and how it's kind of weird to say, but how under the radar that team is as well.
1: Yeah, they're really slept on for how good they are. People are like, oh, this team, this team. No, the Dodgers are just dominant in every position everywhere. And it doesn't really seem that way, right? Like they have Joey Gallo starting most days, Cody Bellinger somehow still in the lineup. Like You would think they have other guys that would be better than them, but you just find a way to win.
0: Yeah, I definitely think it's partially because I had to deal with Max Muncy and Justin Turner on my fantasy teams.
1: Oh, okay. So,
0: you know, for me, I'm just like, wow, Dodgers really suck this year. <laughs> no, it's just I just had the bad ones on my fantasy teams. Yeah, you're
1: so. just missing Cody Bellinger for the trifecta of bad Right, Dodgers. exactly.
0: Yeah, I thought about picking him up because he was, you know, heating up a little bit after the All-Star break. But no, he's kind of come back to the Cody Bellinger we've all unfortunately expected this season.
1: Yeah, and we have some Dodgers to talk about from the injury perspective, one coming back, one going on the IL, so we'll talk about that in a moment, but Before we get into the injury notes and roster moves, I'd like to remind all of you that you can follow our podcast on Twitter at ThisWeekPL. We're at 51 followers right now, so let's try to get that up to 100 before the end of the fantasy season. That'd be great. If you haven't followed us already, please go and do so. Let's get to that 100 mark. That'd mean a lot to us. And also, you can send us your questions and comments to our email at ThisWeekPLPod at gmail.com. If you want to ask anything about fantasy, please be sure to write us an email or send us a tweet. We will gladly answer that for you. And lastly, make sure that you subscribe to or follow the podcast on whatever streaming platform that you listen to your podcasts on. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, we're on all of them. So make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review if you enjoy listening to us. But now, let's get into the injury notes and roster moves, starting things off with Shane McClanahan of the Rays. He was placed on the 15-day IL on Wednesday, August 31st with a left shoulder impingement. He felt the discomfort while warming up in the bullpen on Tuesday night before his start in Miami and will now miss at least two weeks due to this injury. He underwent an MRI and it confirmed the left shoulder impingement diagnosis and manager Kevin Cash called it a best-case scenario. They expect him to return once eligible, but that could be an optimistic goal. We'll see. Keep an eye on McClanahan. He should be back sooner rather than later, but it's always risky at this point of the season when your ace goes down and you don't really know when they'll return. Brandon Lau of the Rays was placed on the 10-day IL on Wednesday, August 31st, retroactive to August 28th with a right triceps contusion. Lau was hit in the arm by a pitch last Friday and is still working through some discomfort. This is the second time Lau has been on the IL this season, and combined he's missed nearly two months of time on top of struggling when he's been healthy. It's been a pretty lost season for Lau, so hopefully he can get back on track soon. A big one here, we've got Justin Verlander of the Astros. He was placed on the 15-day IL on Tuesday, August 30th, retroactive to August 29th with a right calf injury. Verlander underwent an MRI on Monday that revealed fascial disruption, but no muscle fiber disruption in his right calf. I don't know what that means. I'm not a doctor, but if you are someone in the medical field, you'll understand what that means. We don't know how long he'll miss, but it'll likely be a few weeks. The likely replacements for Verlander while he's out is Christian Javier and call up Hunter Brown, who we'll talk a little bit more about later. But this is big news. Verlander going down is rough. He's been dominant, most likely the AL Cy Young winner. I don't know. That's pretty rough. Hopefully, he comes back this season. If you have him on your fantasy team, that's gotta hurt. John, what do you think about this? Yeah, it was super weird because if
0: you're watching the game, actually, he he like kind of celebrated like a an outfield crutch, and then like walked off the field pretty normally, and then they took him out of the game. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was just kind of one of those strange. It, it, it looked like one of those like kind of non-contact injuries where you know it wasn't like he was exerting force on a pitch or something like that. He just tweak something um which which sucks um yeah Verlander it's kind of weird because he is you know kind of that that AL Cy Young favorite right now and for him to miss two weeks like it's I don't think it's going to impact his you know his his case to win but at the same time it is kind of a blow for the Astros you know hopefully they get him back in time for the playoffs you know they definitely don't need him right now they're 11 games ahead of the Mariners in the division so they're not going to really miss him uh but yeah it sucks to see for Verlander and especially just with age too i mean just injuries just heal slower when you're you know 39 years old
1: yeah definitely especially for the fantasy playoff perspective verlander's been huge for fantasy teams and if yeah. you miss any more than 2 weeks of him it's getting around fantasy playoffs time so if you're missing verlander for the playoffs you're definitely hurting for that yeah i have him in uh, the only
0: the only league that i'm like truly in contention now is is my points league and uh, yeah, I have Verlander on that roster, and it's it sucked because I basically just lost the guy who could cont- consistently give me like 25 to 30 points in a week.
1: Yeah, you definitely need him back sooner rather than later. So hopefully he comes back soon and that right calf injury isn't too much of a big deal because the Astros need him, we need him for fantasy. And speaking of the Astros, Jordan Alvarez of the Astros has missed three consecutive games due to lingering discomfort in both of his hands. He's expected to avoid the injured list, but he might miss a few more games We'll see on Jordan. Hopefully he's okay, too, because he's another guy who has contributed hugely for fantasy. So if he can come back healthy very soon, that'd be beneficial for all of us. Then talking about those Dodgers that we mentioned earlier, Tony Gonsolin of the Dodgers was placed on the 15-day IL on Monday, August 29th, retroactive to August 26th with a right forearm strain. Gonsolin has said that he thinks he'll be ready to return from the I.L. once he's eligible and considers the injury to be relatively minor. Obviously, players are usually optimistic about this kind of thing, but hopefully is right and he only misses two weeks. Then Clayton Kershaw of the Dodgers returned to the Dodgers rotation on Thursday, September 1st against the Mets. We'll talk more about his performance later. He did pretty well. He's missed a month due to lower back pain. Patrick Wisdom of the Cubs was placed on the 10-day I.L. on Saturday, August 27th, with a left ring finger sprain. Luis Robert of the White Sox has been held out of the lineup for six consecutive games due to that lingering left wrist injury. He still hasn't been put on the I.L., which at this point is just a headache. I don't really know what to do with Robert at this point. Do you have any shares of him at all, John?
0: No, I specifically avoided Robert because of just the injuries. Um, he's been, it just feels like he's always hurt every single month. Um, And it's hard to, you know, invest in a a guy who at best gets you, what, 300 at-bats or something like that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't have any shares of Robert. Um, It it sucks to see for a guy who has so much talent that a lot of it is just kind of just spent on the the injured list.
1: Yeah, Robert has been so frustrating. I actually have three shares of him across five leagues. Mm -hmm. And the one that hurts the most is in the 15-team TGFBI league. I had the choice between Luis Robert and Mookie Betts. Oh. And I went Robert. Ooh. I just was really high on him. I thought he was going to have like a 30-30 season, bat 300. Right. I just thought the upside was there, and I was kind of worried mm-hmm. about Betts taking a step back after the injury last season. Ah, I was in my head. I should have just took Betts. What an idiot. Well, and the thing, too, is that if you if you
0: extrapolated Robert's performance this season over, you know, let's just say he was healthy, right? He is getting kind of close. He's not 30-30, but he's like 25-25. Yeah. Yep. Like it the it's clear that the potential was there. It's just that he couldn't stay healthy. And I mean that's that's kind of what, you know, in draft season that's always the thing that we're always weighing, right? Like is this guy going to be healthy enough for for me to continue playing him? And like you said Mookie has had a, you know, a little bit of stretch of injury. It, it's not like he's also, you know, Mr. Iron Man as well. So, uh yeah, sometimes that's just how it uh, how it plays out.
1: It's always funny because, of course, I draft Robert over Betts because of Betts' injury concern. And then Betts isn't injured and is dominant, and Robert's the one yeah. who's injured. Like, it's just the exact flip-flop of what I was <laughs> thinking yep. of. <laughs> yep. Really annoying. That's, that's the good old
0: fantasy baseball curse.
1: Oh, yeah. You know it. Moving on, we've got Tyler Malle of the Twins. He's set to return to the Twins rotation on Saturday for their game against the White Sox. That's going to be exciting to see him back. Anthony Rizzo of the Yankees was held out of the lineup on Wednesday due to nagging back issues, so make sure you look out for Rizzo to see if he's placed on the IL or misses any more time. Brett Beatty of the Mets was placed on the 10-day IL on Wednesday, August 31st, with a torn UCL in his right thumb. He underwent surgery on Thursday to repair it, and the Mets are hopeful that he'll be able to return at the end of September. John Birdie of the Marlins was removed from Wednesday's game against the Rays in the 8th inning due to soreness in his right hip. He's considered day-to-day for the time being. In that game, he actually hit a homer and stole a base, which he hasn't done since he came back, so that's nice to see. But with Birdie, what do you think, John? Do we hold on to Birdie? Do we give him a leash? Or what are you doing with John Birdie right now in fantasy?
0: I mean, if I could place him on the IL, I will. I, it's kind of hard because... Um... All he contributes is steals. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, it's you know we're kind of at the point in the playoffs where like everything matters. But if say you're say you're in categories league, maybe you just punt steals. You know, try to win your other categories. It all all that matters at this point is just getting a win. So if you lose steals, that just means you need to find a win somewhere else.
1: Yeah, Birdie was contributing very heavily. When he was on that hot streak where he was hitting homers, he was stealing bases, he was getting runs. He was doing really well, but now oh. that he's kind of slowed down, which we expected, right? We weren't expecting a Adalberto Mondesi season out of him after that mm-hmm. hot stretch.
0: I think with Birdie, though, now that he's again hurt, um, if he doesn't get put on the IL soon, I would probably drop him and just try to find something somewhere else.
1: Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Obviously, in your league, if Corbin Carroll's available and John Birdie misses more than one or two games, make that swap I think you can get something similar out of Carroll even more maybe than Birdie, but I think Birdie's run its course. Obviously, if he's okay and he's in the lineup the next day and he's there, then rock with him. If you need steals, like John said, keep him in the lineup, but I think there might be other sources there, so keep your eyes peeled on the wire because you might be able to find a Birdie replacement for the final stretch of the fantasy Mm -hmm. season. Right. Next, we have Zach Wheeler of the Phillies. He's still on track to return to the Phillies rotation on Tuesday, September 6th, so make sure you activate him off your IL. Nick Castellanos of the Phillies has missed three straight games due to turf toe. He was available off of the bench on Wednesday, but this is an issue that has landed other players on the IL, like Charlie Blackman. I remember he missed about two weeks due to turf toe like three years ago. So keep an eye out on Castellanos' status. He might just be okay, but he also might miss some more time. And lastly, we've got Joey Bart of the Giants, who was placed on the seven-day concussion IL on Tuesday, August 30th. He was diagnosed with a concussion on Tuesday evening after taking a hard foul tip off of his mask during Monday's game. So hopefully he's okay and can return in that seven-day time span. But now, let's talk about the week of call-ups. We had tons of prospects get called up. Not really tons, but we had five really good top prospects get called up and that's really exciting Mm -hmm. this is the time period of the season where rosters expand and you see these sort of guys that aren't going to have their clock start for ownership during this time this is when you're going to see the big prospects get called up if they didn't get called up already like Rutschman or J-Rod or Bobby Witt Obviously, those guys are here, but now we get an exciting bunch of new people to look at and maybe get excited about for next season, and they could even help you right now. So, starting with the first call up, which I'm the most excited about out of this whole list, it's Corbin Carroll of the Diamondbacks. In the minors this season, Carroll had a slash line of 307, 425, 611 with 24 homers and 31 stolen bases. So far, he's gone 3-for-10 with 4 runs and 5 RBI in the two games that he's played in in MLB. He also just missed a home run in the second game by a few inches on that huge Diamondbacks wall in center field. Carroll's been renowned as one of the top prospects in the game, especially after J-Rod Witt and Rushman got the call earlier this season. To me, he's a must-add. I think he can contribute right now, help you in the fantasy playoffs, and if you're in a keeper league or dynasty league, obviously he should already be rostered, but If he's out there in a keeper league, kind of like my home league where it's a 10-team league and prospects like that aren't stashed because there's no NA spots, definitely grab Carroll. Any thoughts on Corbin Carroll for you, John? Yeah, I'm kind of interested to see how the
0: speed translates to the majors. I mean, yeah, he hasn't gotten a a steal yet in the majors. Um, And that's always kind of the one thing where it's like you have in the minors, I think that people are more willing to send guys um and so i want to see you know he has you know 70 grade on his speed so clearly it's it's there You, you know the 31 stolen bases you don't get that from being slow um so he clearly has that potential i'd like to see if that really plays in the majors the power is actually kind of interesting to me because he wasn't necessarily known for being this huge power hitter you know coming coming into the the draft um and even like his status in the minors you know he he hit for a little bit of power you know he but he actually broke out this year like in 2021 he had two homers in high a and then he had two homers in 2019 at rookie ball and um and i think in the spring league or summer i think it was summer league i can't remember which where were he he got the other two the other homer but basically he somehow unlocked power this year um and i really want to see if that's consistent for the rest of the season, um, obviously being in Arizona, he's got that big field. It's probably going to take away a couple homers from him. Uh, it, yeah, I, I know a lot of guys have have him as like the number one guy in dynasty right now, or you know number one uh, player yet to be called up. And obviously now that he's called up,
1: uh, I think it makes sense to to pick him up. So, like you said, the speed translating. I think it will obviously we haven't seen a stolen base attempt, and that's mainly because there's been people on base when he's gotten a hit or a walk and mostly he has two doubles, and I think he's got three hits total, so two doubles, but just for reference, he was on second base and scored on a hit, and he ran thirty one and a half feet per second, so it's not like he's just fast. this is like Ichiro speed fast this is yeah. Elite level speed. So we're not dealing with a guy who we're just saying, oh, he can help in fantasy because he's fast and he might get mm-hmm. steals. No, this guy is like career setting fast. He is unbelievable. And just for reference, too, he was drafted in 2019 for anybody wondering about his progression. He's only like five foot ten. He's a smaller yep. kid, but he looks so comfortable at the plate. His first MLB hit was with the bases loaded. And it was a double to the opposite field. It was roped pretty strong, and it was a two RBI double. I'm very excited about this kid because I think his potential is through the roof. I think that this guy is going to be a quintessential fantasy contributor because the power and speed combo, I want to see the power. That's the main thing is I want to see right. him hit the ball hard and I want to see him drive mm-hmm. it, and I want to see him hit homers. And he just missed one, like I said in the second game that he played in. And I think he really could be a fifteen homer. 35 to 40 stolen base guy and be kind of like a Trey Turner light. Now, obviously he has outfield eligibility and not infield, which is why Trey Turner is just immaculate. But Mm -hmm. nowadays outfield is such a worse position for fantasy. I feel like it's not as deep as a shortstop or second base, so to speak. So having that kind of stat from the outfield position, I think is gigantic. So Corbin Carroll to me is someone that really excites me. He looks comfortable already in just two games played I have him in my home keeper league, and I'm probably going to keep him. I don't know. I have a lot of good options, but I don't know. He looks really good.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm very curious. I, I don't have his minor league stat cast numbers up right now, so I, I don't know what his max exit velocity is um, You know, and how that translates to you know other players. Uh, but you, know, you can't ignore 99th percentile sprint speed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, you definitely cannot. I mean, like I said, I watched this kid run, and it reminds me of Ichiro. And it's Mm -hmm. impressive. And Ichiro is one of my favorite players, so I watched a lot of him growing up as a kid. And Corbin Carroll reminds me a lot of him. And I think Corbin Carroll obviously has more power than Ichiro. And if he can provide anything like that, if he can translate that 425 OBP from the minors to be even remotely close, let's just say 360, 350 OBP, and gets 30 steals, no matter what he does in the power department, this guy is worth it for fantasy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Corbin Carroll, definite must-add, in my opinion. Definitely go and grab him if he's available in any of your leagues. The deeper the league, the more important it is to grab him. And then we're moving on to another top prospect, Gunnar Henderson of the Orioles. In the minors this season, Henderson had a slash line of 297, 416, 551, with 19 homers and 22 stolen bases. He's been a top prospect in the Orioles system, probably number one after Adley Rutschman got the call earlier this year. He's got shortstop eligibility for now on Yahoo specifically, but he started his first game in the majors at third base, so he might gain eligibility there. I think that's where he's mainly going to be playing. So, hey, shortstop and third base eligibility this season, most likely only third base moving forward, which is extremely helpful because third base is not a very good position. So if Gunnar Henderson is quality out of the third base spot, that's huge. Yep. In his first game, he went two for four with a homer, so really good to see. And I think that this kid's also going to be very good. I'm very curious how the speed plays. Yeah, same
0: here. Uh, because unlike Corbin Carroll, um Gunnar Henderson's not necessarily known for his run tool. So the fact that he has like he had 22 stole like you said 22 stolen bases this year. Last year he had 16. I'm very curious on how that translates to the majors cuz if he ends up being a 2020 guy at the third base position. Yep. Oh my goodness! Yeah, like it's huge. Oh my goodness, that's just that's just uh, a guy you have to pick up. Uh, you know, he's not necessarily like a you know you pick him up in the first ten rounds, but that's that power speed combo at third base, which I don't like. I guess that reminds me of like J Ram. I'm trying to think of like other guys who who are known for the speed. at The third only two third
1: base. basemen for speed is Jose Ramirez, of course, and then Cabrian yeah. Hayes.
0: Yeah. So if this guy can hit better than Cabrian Hayes, like. Wow, that yeah, would be so I, much fun to fun to witness.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And I'm also worried about the speed too cuz he's not like Corbin Carroll where he's freakishly fast where his sprint no. speed's ridiculous. Henderson's mm-hmm. fast. He's definitely got speed in the 22 stolen bases in the minors this season proves that. But I'm also Worried about the speed translating as well as it did in the minors, especially because in the minors, just to remind everybody, they have bigger bags, so it's easier to steal bases. Like Estuary Ruiz Mm -hmm. had like 50 stolen bases or something. Right. And it's easier to steal bases in the minors right now. So 31 stolen bases for Corbin Carroll and 22 for Gunnar Henderson, it's not the same as if it was the majors because the distance between the bases is a little bit less. Mm -hmm. But But, even if he's like giving you 10 stolen bases a year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. If Gunnar Henderson is at third base, and he's batting 270-280, hits 20 homers and steals 10 bases. That's a top 10, top 5, maybe even, third baseman.
0: hmm
1: yeah. So he could be really good for fantasy, and the Orioles are just an exciting team right now, man. They have a little bit of a surge right now for the playoffs this season, mm-hmm. but they yep. weren't even supposed to compete this season. They are supposed to compete next season, the season after that, and after that. And they're already right. doing it now, and they're calling up all these exciting guys. rutchman has been awesome. Henderson looks good. I mean... This is pretty cool and Grayson Rodriguez was supposed to join the team too but he got hurt. Yeah. I I am very excited for the Orioles
0: future. Um especially like because they're willing to play their young guys and um it'll be exciting to see how how it all translates for them. Obviously they're the number 3 spot. I, no, they're they're in the 4th spot right now for the wild card. Yeah. So they're just outside but they're only two games back of the Blue Jays. So it's not impossible that they could make that push to um
1: to make the playoffs. How about that AL East, man? That division is strong. Yeah. That's a it's, ridiculous... Yankees, Rays, crazy. Red Sox, Blue Jays, Orioles, and they're all looking really good this season besides the Red yeah. Sox, but...
0: Right. It actually kind of blows my mind that the Yankees are only six games ahead of the Rays. Obviously, they had that just two-week stretch of just being terrible at baseball. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that the Rays were able to catch up. But uh, it is kind of kind of crazy that they're they're likely going to get at least three teams into the playoffs yep uh we'll see how the mariners do the mariners have been looking really really good they have and it's not and it's not like an outside chance that the ale central might send in two teams i think that would require the twins and the guardians to kind of run the board
1: um but that all being said i think it's cool that the orioles are doing this with young players yep I completely agree. And speaking of the Orioles and young players, they also called up D.L. Hall. Him and Henderson both are on the taxi squad and will probably stay on the team as the rosters expand. Hall struggled really badly when he had a spot start earlier this season, like way early in the season Mm. in April. But it seems like they may use him in a reliever role this time around. Anything on D.L. Hall? I mean, the next three guys we're talking about, Hall, Brown, and waldichuk they're all going to be spoken about a little bit less because Carroll and Henderson are the two top prospects we mainly wanted to cover, but... Anything right. to add on Hall? I don't
0: have a ton. I mean, I know he has a really solid prospect pedigree. Um, he is a little bit older. I mean, he's not older, I say that. He's 23 years old, so it's not like he's old, old. Right. Um, but he has had five years, basically, in the minors. Um, and so there's been a lot of hype on, like, Deal Hall and, and what he can become. Um, but I I am curious to see if the reliever thing is, is going to be a permanent thing um or if it's just kind of like hey we just want you to get up and have some experience in the majors you know pitch some innings for us um and then we'll see where it goes from there um i i don't really know how he he definitely wasn't using a reliever role um this season in the minors no um, so i'm i'm curious to see how it plays out but he has struggled this year there's there's no way to kind of get around that he has it's been a tough year for him uh in triple a uh so we'll, we'll see if how how the Orioles bring him
1: along in the majors? He's a guy that had a lot of potential and a lot of people were excited about for fantasy purposes, and he mm-hmm. just really struggled ever since. Yeah, I mean his his line this
0: year in AAA is is not very pretty. It's a you know a four point seven ERA. He's had a one point four five WHIP. Um, you know his his strikeout to walk ratio is like about two point two. Um, it's it's not pretty. Uh, but, you know, sometimes it just takes a guy a, a year to kind of figure out more challenging um, opponents. And then, you know, maybe next year it, it, he actually kind of learns something from this year and, uh, and is able to get better because of that.
1: Yeah, I don't give up on any prospects anymore after seeing Lucas Giolito become the worst pitcher in baseball <laughs> to the best pitcher in baseball. in Well, uh, now he might be the worst. No, he's not the worst pitcher. In no, baseball. no, he's he, teetering, though. He's teetering. Yeah,
0: he he's, he's, does not look good. I'll just say that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. But moving on to the next prospect call-up, Hunter Brown of the Astros. He got the call on Thursday, September 1st. He might fill in for the injured Justin Verlander, as we mentioned earlier. He's one of the game's top pitching prospects and has compiled a 2.55 ERA, 1.09 whip, and 134 Ks to 45 walks in that ratio, over 106 innings in AAA this season. Brown looks really good. He looks legit. And if the Astros are calling him up to fill in for Verlander, you know he's probably good.
0: Yeah, I don't really know that much about Hunter Brown, to be honest. Um, I, I just did like a cursory look at his stats before this podcast, and it looks like he's been a really solid guy. I mean, the basically the the Astros were more than willing to kind of start him in AA last year. Um, he was drafted in 2019, so there was that kind of weird, you know, lost season in 2020 when everyone was at, you know, the, those – basically the alternate site. So don't know how he pitched in, in that situation. Um, but yeah, he's been at double A. He's been at triple A. I think it was probably just time for him to come up to the majors. Obviously, he's coming in as kind of more of an injury substitute, not as a, a permanent guy. Um, but yeah, the Astros are really, really good at developing pitching. So you have to expect that Hunter Brown's going to be, you know, the next guy in a, in a long line of, of guys that the Astros have been able to bring along very, very well.
1: Yeah, so according to MLB prospects, Hunter Brown is the 71st best prospect in their eyes. Obviously, every writer has a different scenario, but Hunter Brown's number 71 on the list. For reference, if anybody was wondering, Corbin Carroll was three, Gunnar Henderson was two, which is kind of shocking to me, but Gunnar Henderson was two, Corbin Carroll was three, D.L. Hall is 92, yep, and Hunter Brown is 71. So Mm -hmm. there's not really... Much to go off of. He's had a great season in the minors, of course. I'm not too familiar with Hunter Brown either, but if he's getting the call to replace Justin Verlander for the time being, they Mm -hmm. obviously have a lot of trust in him. They develop pitchers very well. I mean, even the rotation without Verlander looks really good. You've got Mm -hmm. Framber Valdez, Luis Garcia, Christian Javier, Lance McCullers Jr., They're good. They've got good guys there, so Hunter Brown Mm -hmm. should fit in well, and keep an eye on him, because if he dominates in his first start, he might be someone you want to pick up, because he could be very good. He's a top prospect, so might as well take the chance on him. And speaking of guys ranked in the 70s on MLB prospects, Ken Waldachuk of The Athletics, who's ranked 70 right above Hunter Brown was called up on Thursday, September 1st, and made his major league debut against the Washington Nationals. In the minors this season, he had a 2.84 ERA and a 1.16 whip with a 137 to 36 K to walk ratio, over 95 innings between double and triple A. He pitched all right against the Nationals in his debut. He went 4.2 innings. He had a combined nine hits and walks. He only gave up one earned run, and he struck out six. So there was good highlights there. He threw 93 pitches as well, so there was no training wheels on him. And it's good to see just a nice start for his first career start, and you hope he improves.
0: Yeah, Woldacek is super interesting because he came over in the Montes trade, Yep, and everyone was like, this guy is the centerpiece. Of a trade, you know, like he's the, he's the number, he was the number five prospect in the Yankees, um, uh, in the Yankees system. So it's, you know, it's not necessarily disparaging against Waldachuk. He's, he's obviously a really solid guy, but yeah, he was the centerpiece of this Montes trade. And everyone's like the best that the athletics could get was the the, the number five prospect from the Yankees. Right. Um, which maybe means that they saw something in him where they were like willing to give up Montes for that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, tough first start. It's always challenging your major league debut. It's it's hit or miss on, on how well it goes for you. Um so we'll see how it how it all works out for him. The the strikeout to walk ratio is actually pretty nice. I I do like that a lot. Um and obviously today he had a pretty bad whip, but he doesn't have that bad of a whip in in his career. Um and so we'll see if that control kind of improves as he kind of gets more
1: used to to playing in the majors and and dealing with that pressure. Absolutely. And before we move into the weekly performance recap, I actually have breaking news right now that the Yankees are promoting Oswald Peraza, their top shortstop. let's go. So that just happened as we
0: were recording the podcast. Technically, Anthony Volpe is probably their number one shortstop
1: prospect. Probably,
0: yeah. But But
1: he's a top prospect in their system. He's 53 on MLB prospects, so.
0: I am very excited about that because I have Peraza actually in a um, in a dynasty league and um it, it took some haggling for me I actually traded for Peraza. It took some haggling for me to get him. Um so I'm very excited that they're actually calling him up. Um but yeah, he I think he's a second baseman, second baseman shortstop. Um I'm curious to see how he plays. Um obviously the Yankees see something in him that he's worth calling up. So that's exciting.
1: Yeah, very exciting. He's got shortstop eligibility on Yahoo. Keep an eye on him. He's obviously just got called up now, and we don't have anything prepped for him, but we all know he's a top prospect in the Yankee system, probably right behind Anthony Volpe. And yeah, Oswald Peraza, welcome to the bigs. But now we will take a quick break, and when we come back, we will get into the weekly performance recaps. Stay tuned. All right, we are back, and it's time for the weekly performance recap. John, what hitters and pitchers perform well this weekend?
0: Yeah, well, we'll start with the weekend, uh, August 26th to the 28th. And kind of like we were kind of teasing, I, I want to talk about Mookie Betts. On Friday, he went four for six with a double, two home runs, three runs, four RBIs, and a stolen base. Uh, Mookie Magic was was on again. He had two clutch home runs. They actually came later in the game. Um, and both of them gave the Dodgers the lead. Um, and so he was just on point. And then he actually had the game-winning hit, I believe, as well in, in that game. It was a, I think it was a single uh to play the guy in the 10th. Um but yeah he's currently second in the majors and runs and fourth in home runs. I just it blows my mind that Mookie Betts is fourth in home runs right now. He he's 32 on the season. Um he's he's been showing off the power. He's obviously getting on base and, and being able to score with it being second in the majors with runs. He also has 12 still in bases. He has a 913 OPS Um, I was just looking at NL MVP odds because I'm like, where does Mookie rank in that? He's actually fifth right now. Wow. And ahead of him is, we talked about Goldschmidt last year, uh, last week. Goldschmidt's number one right now. Arenado's number two. Freddie Freeman's number three. And Trey Turner's number four. Wow. Like, the Dodgers have three guys who are in the top five in terms of odds to win the MVP. And like we were talking about, it just doesn't feel like they've been those guys. I mean, Trey Turner's been really solid this year. Uh, but he hasn't. I feel like he hasn't been in the headlines like you know, like uh, Aaron Judge has been, or right. uh, or Otani, or even Manny Machado, uh, just guys like that who you were drafting around where Trey Turner was going in the drafts. Like, I just feel like no one's really talked too much about Turner um, or Bets for that matter. Yeah. Um, so it's it's really cool to see that he's been doing really well, and uh, yeah, that Dodgers team is really scary.
1: Um, so I might take a bet on that NL MVP odds. I mean, I think Goldschmidt is running away with it, but Hey, there's a case for Mookie. He's got 101 runs scored already in 111 games. Yeah. It's nearly a run scored per game. That's absolutely nuts.
0: Yeah. The only knock against him is, is his RBI total. But I mean, who does he have to bat in? Like the rest of the team is already batting themselves in anyways. And
1: and still, that's not even that bad. He's got 70 RBI.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's not bad at all. It's
1: more than Xander Bogart's. And he bats yeah. like third or fourth for the Red Sox.
0: Yeah, I man, it it really feels like Mookie's gone under the radar this year. Um, and I remember, I think we talked about him mid season, and we were raving about like, yeah, he's he's got. I think it was like he had 20 homers at that point or something yep. like that. But he was just raking at the plate, and it just felt like no one was talking about it. So, um, yeah, Mookie bets uh we're doing really well and uh excited to see how September and October plays
1: out for for him and the Dodgers he's also one of my uh, favorite players because he's a bowler so shout out to Mookie for bowling so
0: there we go yeah uh hopefully he uh you know gets some time in the offseason to work on that game as well
1: oh he always does
0: <laughs> speaking of MVP candidates uh I want to talk about Nolan Arenado of the Cardinals he went four for four with a double a home run a run and two RBIs on Saturday which seems like a pretty standard line until you realize, oh, right, he uh, just came off the paternity list. Um, he showed off that new dad strength, getting a homer, uh, leading the cards to a 6-5 win over Atlanta. St. Louis had the second-best record in August, second to the Dodgers. Um, and Arenado is a big part of that search. He has a ridiculous slash line in August. It was three sixty six, 66 4-14, 7-13. Wow. But, like, the math means that he had a a one point one two seven OPS, Sheesh. like, like it's in it's incredible. That was his August, and then actually, if you look at the rest of his months, July was pretty close to that. Um, he started off the season maybe a little bit slower, but it's kind of incredible for a guy who a lot of people were kind of writing off. Um, you know, not saying that he's like a bad third baseman, but he was never in that conversation for like a top three guy, right? Like your your standard conversation was always you know Machado, uh, J Ram, and uh, Endeavors. But Arenado's like been showing off to like, hey, I'm still here. I am still more than capable to be in that conversation. um, And that's just been really cool to see. And he's been a big part of why the Cardinals um, have been kind of running away with the NL Central lead.
1: Definitely. Arenado's actually one of my favorite players as well. It's funny because I keep saying favorite players like Mookie and everything. <laughs> but it's true. I collected Nolan Arenado cards for a while and stuff. But I was a big Nolan Arenado guy for fantasy when he was on the Rockies. And he had like mm-hmm. three or four consecutive season where he hit. Over 30 homers and had over 100 RBI. And it came at third yep. base, which there wasn't many other good options. And I loved Nolan for a while. And even this year, I was kind of off Nolan. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm done with him now. I like the other guys. You know, obviously Devers, Machado, like you mentioned, Joe Ram, of course. But Nolan is proving, like you said, he's, hey, I'm still here. I'm still mm-hmm. kicking. I'm still good. And he's proven it. I mean, not only does he have a platinum glove and he's the probably, besides Matt Chapman, the best defensive third baseman in the league. His bat is coming back around for St. Louis, and they are just killing it. I mean, 28 homers, 89 RBI, 370 OBP. He's looking really, really good.
0: Yeah, I. It's been uh, that Cardinals team has just been on fire. I mean, yeah, they had the second best record in August, but they were like people kind of forget it. they were second in the division. Um, the Brewers are actually ahead of them, and then they just went on this tear. Um, yep, and. Yeah, no one can catch up to them in at least in, in the central. They're six games ahead of the Brewers, and they do not look like they're slowing down at all. No, nope. like if, if you think if you think the Ale Central race is pretty bad, uh, the the Cubs were third in the division or twenty games behind the Cardinals. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like at least in the Ale Central, there's like three teams that are kind of competing for the lead in the NL Central. It's just like, yeah, the the Cardinals are six games ahead of the Brewers, and the Brewers are kind of looking like they're in a little bit of a free fall mode as well. Yep. So. Yeah, and then moving on to some Sunday performances, Fran Reyes of the Cubs, that's right, of the Cubs, not the Guardians, uh, went two for four with a double, a home run, two runs, two RBIs, and a walk. Uh, the reason why he's on the Cubs now was because he was pretty bad in Cleveland. I think his, like, strikeout rate was, like, 37% or something. Yeah, it was really like that. Like, he was still hitting homers, but basically every other time he came to the plate, it was just, like, an empty plate appearance, so... Uh, yeah, he's actually had three homers uh with the Cubs after getting placed, uh, getting picked off waivers. Um he's /280 304 520. Yes, it's a small sample size. Yes, it's you know, probably nothing to read into. But you have to feel good for a guy who's really struggled for a good chunk of the season. Um and you know, maybe that grass is greener thing kind of worked out for Fran Mill this year.
1: Yeah, he's turned it around greatly with the Cubs so. It's good to see because he's a big power bat and he was struggling badly, like you said, this season. So yeah. it's nice to see a change of scenery is helping him out.
0: Yeah. yeah. Moving on to pitchers, uh, starting with Garrett Cole, the Yankee. He went 7.1 innings with Warner and run three hits, two walks, and 11 strikeouts against Oakland. If you've had Cole on your team this season, you've probably been frustrated with the ups and downs for a guy who is likely the first or second pitcher off the board in your drafts. Um, he had a string of starts where his ERA was just through the roof. Uh, but he finally looked like his old self against the helpless A's. The slider was on Nine whiffs on that pitch, and he finally had a double-digit strikeout game, his first since July 17th, which is kind of incredible because you you kind of think of Cole and he's he's just a guy who just you know mows through teams and you know consistently gets those double-digit strikeouts. But yeah, it's been over a month since he's done that, um, and it came against the A's. So you know, good for Cole, and and I guess you know if you have him on your fantasy team, pretty awesome. Uh, Kyle Gibson of the Phillies uh, went seven innings with zero and runs, six hits, one walk, and nine strikeouts against the Pirates on Saturday. Last year, he was kind of that big virus rule guy, just the guy who just could not be stopped until you know midway through the season, and then he got traded from the Rangers to the Phillies, um, and then he kind of just imploded a little bit. Uh, the formula for Gibson's pretty easy this season. Basically, if the matchup's good, he's going to probably do well, like this game against the Pirates. Uh, the only problem is that he just gives up these major duds from time to time it's probably why he spent a good chunk of the season on the waiver wire because it's just so hard to trust Kyle Gibson I was actually looking at it. he's 34 years old which is kind of crazy to me I didn't realize he was that old um but he did pitch for the twins for uh for a long time so I guess I kind of forgot that he was actually a, a starting pitcher for that long but yeah he's 34 so he's not young anymore um Come playoff time, he's probably still able to get you a gem of a start as long as he plays a poor opponent. I don't really know who the Phillies have coming up next, but seeing as their division's pretty atrocious right now, other than, you know, the Braves and the Mets, I, I imagine he's going to have a lot of uh, more cushy matchups coming up this this month. And then uh going to give a sneak peek at one of our streamers. Austin Voth of the Orioles went six innings with one earned run. One hit, three walks, and four strikeouts. It's not really that impressive of a line until you realize it was against the Astros. Also, it's Austin Voth, who... This season has not been like that stellar for a pitcher. He actually started in the bullpen for the Orioles. Uh, but he had excellent location on Sunday with his cutters and his four-seamers, uh, basically just throwing them where the Astros couldn't hit them. And then when they did, uh, it didn't result in a hit. So good for him. His overall season, like I said, hasn't been anything to write home about. Um, and even though he did start in the bullpen, he's actually transitioned pretty well into a starter. Um, he's been stretched out pretty well now. So... Uh, yeah, maybe look for him to go six innings this Saturday against the A's.
1: Definitely a little sneak peek at one of the streamers. We'll talk more about him a little bit later. And Garrett Cole is an ace. Good to see him returning back to form and getting those double-digit strikeouts. And Kyle Gibson, hey, he's doing what he does sometimes. He's not a really yeah. good pitcher, but he he does this sometimes. Moving on to Monday, August 29th, we've got the Batters Box article, Oh, Danny Boy from Mark Steubinger. We start off with Hunter Renfro of the Brewers. He went 3 for 4 with a double and 2 RBI. Since the All Star break, Renfro has been one of the best hitters in the game. He's hit 273, 354, 563 with 10 home runs in that time. His baseball savant page looks solid too, ranking 85th percentile in barrel percentage, 87th percentile in max exit velocity, and 81st percentile in hard hit percentage. Renfro has been one of the main reasons why the Brewers are still battling for a playoff spot this season. And it's really good to see him come back to life pretty much. And I can't believe still to this day that the Red Sox traded him for Jackie Bradley Jr. What are you doing?
0: (laughs) Well, the best part was that they traded him for Jackie Bradley Jr., and then they cut Jack this Jr. Jr. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. I don't understand what they're doing, but uh, Hunter Renfro was really good last season, too. And it's good to see him being good again this season. I just can't believe the Red Sox gave him away for nothing. Literally nothing. So yeah. Hunter Renfro's been dominant. Speaking of the Red Sox, we've got Trevor Story of the Red Sox. He went 3-for-3 with a run, a walk, and a stolen base. Story has been mostly disappointing for the entirety of the season. He had one solid month, which made his overall numbers look pretty respectable, but he hasn't given you what you wanted when you drafted him within the first three rounds. This was a solid day, though. After returning from a a month-and-a-half-long stay on the IL, he was perfect at the plate and threw in a steal. Story has been swinging at pitches outside of the strike zone more than ever with a 32.4% O-swing percentage, and alongside that, he's also swinging less often at strikes, so it's not a good combination, and it's definitely not what you want to see from a guy who could be a 30-30 contributor, but instead is probably going to give you a 15-15-ish season, and that's really not what you want when, like I said, you drafted him in your first three rounds, so unfortunate there, but hopefully Trevor Story can return to form next season. And then also two little points here. Kyle Schwarber of the Phillies went 2-for-5 with a homer, a run, and 4 RBI. The homer was his 36th of the season, second most in MLB this year. He's only two away from tying his career-high mark that he put up in 2019 of 38, so Schwarber's been on a tear, and it's crazy, like we said before, that Aaron Judge has like 51 homers and Schwarber has 36, and that's the race. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And speaking of homers, last shout-out for Monday for hitters. Albert Pujols hit home run number 694. It was off of Reed Detmers, which is the 450th pitcher that Pujols has taken deep, which passed Barry Bonds for the all-time lead, which is pretty remarkable. But come on, Albert, just six more homers. Please do it. I'm begging. I'm begging. Yeah.
0: Uh, good to see the comeback from Kyle Schwarber, too, because I know he had a, kind of a rough couple weeks where it was just uh, just dry for Schwartz. yep um so yeah good for him and the story is kind of interesting i, I looked up his baseball page and it's like it's red in max at exit velocity so clearly the power's still there it's red in barrel right so he's you know able to get the ball on, on the barrel pretty well it's red for sprint speed and then it's red for outs of average which is kind of funny like i i didn't realize he was that good defensively um of course the thing is everything else is blue so yeah. it's just it's just been a struggle for story um and You know, it's not that we completely expected this. Like, you know, when you go from Colorado to, you know, a place with regular altitude, I'm sure there's some adjustment. There was a little bit of adjustment for Arenado as well when he moved from from Denver to St. Louis. Um, But Story still has, you know, five years remaining on that big contract that he signed to make good. Um, The Red Sox have just been terrible this season. And, I mean, they turn it around. You know, Story's only 29, so he's got plenty of time to continue being good uh, as a Red Sox hitter.
1: Yeah, even Devers, speaking of how bad the Red Sox are, I saw something just recently on Twitter. I forget who sent the tweet, and I'm sorry for not being able to give you credit, but I saw a thing where Devers went from one of the best hitters in baseball this season, he was in the top five best hitters in baseball, to then being in the bottom five worst hitters in baseball for the second half and oh he's been atrocious it's been bad yeah and I love Devers I'm a huge Devers guy I have him on most of my teams this year I made it a point to draft one of the big three third basemans Jose Ramirez Manny Machado or Devers and I ended up with a lot of Devers I love him and he was amazing to start the season but he has been atrocious recently Mm -hmm. and it's really tough to see I hope he can turn it around, but I don't want to harp too much on Devers, but he's been really bad. So if you are a Devers rosterer in fantasy, yes, he has been that bad and it's unfortunate. So we're feeling the pain with you. Yeah. Moving on to pitchers. We have the SP roundup article, third degree burns from Nick Pollock. Monday was terrible for pitchers. Burns, Berrios, Montas, Michaelis, Bum, Ranger Suarez. They all struggled mightily. However, the pitchers that performed well were Pablo Lopez of the Marlins, he went 6 innings, 2 earned runs, 5 hits, 3 walks, and 6 strikeouts against the Dodgers. In his toughest challenge, Lopez rose to the occasion. A combined 8 hits and walks isn't what you want to see, but the 31% CSW and a quality start certainly is, especially against the Dodgers, one of the best teams in baseball, if not the best. Pablo started very strong this season, then went through a really rough patch, But it seemed to return to form to finish out the season, which is always nice to see. Maybe he gets traded away from the Marlins some point next season. But it's good to see Pablo kind of finishing up what he started from the beginning of the year. And then Jose Suarez of the Angels went six innings pitched, two in runs, three hits, three walks, and six strikeouts against the Yankees. So let me get this straight. The two best pitching performances came against the Dodgers and the Yankees. It must have been opposite day on Monday because that makes zero sense whatsoever. But Suarez looked really good against the Yankees, his velocity was up a tick across the board, and his slider generated a 44% CSW, he mixed his sinkers and four-seamers really well, and he kept that Yankees offense at bay. A quality start with a strikeout per inning against that offense for a guy who has been mostly average all season is fantastic, it's exactly what you want out of a streamer, and hint hint, here's another hint at a future streamer that we're going to recommend, but You might hear his name a little bit later on. And, yes, Suarez was really good. So Pablo Lopez and Jose Suarez against the Dodgers and Yankees ended up being the best pitching performances from Monday.
0: Yeah. It's kind of funny with Pablo Lopez because I remember around the trade deadline, he had this amazing start. And um, we were just like, how could the Marlins be trading this guy, right? And then there was the rumor that he was going to go to the Yankees. And then that fell through. And then he just basically had like one of the worst August's
1: possible. Oh, by far. It was horrible. Horrible. It was
0: not pretty. Uh, So yeah, good to see that he bounced back against the Dodgers. Um, And, you know, the Marlins, you know, classically just have nothing to play for right now. Um, They're so out of the lead. Um, So I just hope that uh, for, you know, Lopez, for Alcantara, for Edward Cabrera, even um, these guys have just like, hopefully they have something to pitch for. In the next few seasons, because it's just so disheartening to see like, eh, hey, Pablo Lopez, Sandy Alcantara, they're pitching super well, but the team is twenty games below five hundred. Yeah, they so. can
1: waste them so bad. It it hurts to see.
0: Uh, it's like yeah, the Angels
1: with Trout and Otani. You see them, yeah. and their team is going nowhere. And then you see that Marlins starting rotation. And you're like, how are they losing?
0: Yeah, It's because the, the team can't score runs. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Well, moving on to Tuesday, we're talking about batters first with the sheets ahead article from Jim Chatterton. Uh, I want to start out with Nick Gordon of the Twins, two for four with a double, a home run, a run, and six RBI. I think I've talked about Nick Gordon before on this podcast. Um, I love Nick Gordon. I mean, he was uh, he was an interesting draft pick way back in the day. Uh, he was like the number five overall for the Twins, and you know, he had that pedigree with his dad also his brother um and so he kind of excited for this this young guy you know very fast and looked like he had a decent hit tool um and then yeah just struggled for the past five six years in the majors finally made it to the majors last year um and this season he's carved out a really good role as a kind of a super utility guy and he hit his first career grand slam tuesday night uh the twins actually had a cool gesture for him in the sixth inning he he ran up to second base and carlos correa actually kind of told the rest of the team like hey you know, wait, wait, wait in the, in the dugout for a bit. Let, let the Gordon get his, uh, his due. And he got a standing ovation from, uh, from the stadium, which is kind of cool to That's see. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's cool. He's got plenty of eligibility everywhere. You know, he's, he's playing in the outfield. He's playing in the infield. I don't really think he's worth picking up on your fantasy teams. Um, you know, the bat is pretty solid. He just doesn't, um, he just isn't going to be used that often. Cause he is, you know, somewhat of a platoon bat. Um, he is on the, you know, the, the bigger side of the platoon, which, you know, he is going to see more opportunities to bat, which is nice. If you have like a five outfielder league two flex um, and, you know, you just need a guy that you can plug in from time to time. Maybe you look at Nick Gordon. Uh, I just don't think that he has a ton of value fantasy wise, but in terms of real baseball, he's been excellent for the twins. Uh, and then moving on to Nick Prado of the Royals he went four for five with a double, two home runs, three runs at three RBIs on Tuesday. Uh, It's been the year of the rookie for the Royals. We've mentioned plenty of times on this podcast about all the rookies that have been doing well for the Royals. You know, obviously Bobby Witt Jr. We got Vinny Pasquantino, MJ Melendez, uh, just some of the names. Um, But yeah, Casey's really embraced the youth movement completely this season, even if if it's not resulting in a winning season. And they're not like too bad this year. Um, You know, they are more than 20 games below 500, but that's not bad for the Royals, all things considered. Prado showed off the prospect theory. he had two homers, he had three hard hits. Uh, and coming up, Prado was like kind of known as this three true outcomes guy. Uh, and that's kind of been the, the the case this season in the majors. He has a 34.6% strikeout rate, which is ugly. He has a 10% walk rate, which is really, really solid. Uh, but then, yeah, six of his 24 hits this season, which is 25% resulted with a ball over the fence. So, yeah, just kind of expect him to either strike out, walk, or hit a homer. Um, that's kind of the Nick Prado formula. We'll see if that kind of improves next season. Once he has, you know, major league experience under his belt, uh, he he could be an interesting guy to pick up in, in late in drafts next year.
1: Yeah. Both of these guys, it's nice to see performing well, you know, nothing more to really add on them, but Hey, Prado can be really good. He was a top prospect in the Royal system that had good power potential and it's proving to be so. And then to Gordon, he always had the tools, but never really put it together. And it's nice to see him succeeding. Yeah, also realized I had two Knicks. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Moving on to pitchers uh, with the Killing Independent George article from Nick Pollock. I want to start with Zach Gallon, the Diamondbacks. Went seven innings, zero and in runs, two hits, one walk, and seven strikeouts against the Phillies. He finally earned his aces going to ace from Nick on Tuesday. It's really hard to argue because he's actually had five straight starts with zero earned runs, which is kind of impressive. Uh, considering that we cursed him earlier in the season Um, yeah he's been on fire in august uh, like you mentioned a zero era a 23.9 percent k minus bb rate and a 0.75 whip um actually kind of impressive with that 0.75 whip his his season whip is actually 0.94 so it's not like he had like a good month in august he's just been this darn consistent this entire year um, yeah, he had a, a little, bit, little bit of a rough patch, uh, but yeah, Gallon, good to see that he is uh, finally coming into his own this season um, and doing really well. And then Blake Snell, the Padres, went six innings with zero and earned runs, four hits, three walks, and eight strikeouts against the Giants. He had a pretty rocky start to the season. Snell was like almost borderline droppable in some leagues. Um, but yeah, he righted the ship. Uh, he's had three starts since July where he's given up. Uh, more than one run, but other than that, he's been pretty stellar. He's maintained the career strikeout rate. He's top 10 in the majors this year in that metric. Walks have still been an issue this season, so the ratios aren't too pretty. He's a pretty high whip, and he had three walks against the Giants. Um, this game was pretty much the same story, right? The three walks, but also eight strikeouts. So uh, good to see that consistency, at least from Snell. Um, you know what you're going to get from him at this point, and if he improves, even better. I just don't, I think this is kind of the floor for him.
1: Yeah, I agree. Gallon, first of all, has been amazing. And shout out to Blake Snell because, fun fact, Blake Snell has actually said my name live on Twitch because he live streams playing MLB The Show and some other games. And I was streaming and I rated him with like 100 people. And he said, yo, shout out to Regicidal. And I was like, man, my boy Blake Snell. So I have that clip somewhere saved on my computer. (laughs) But shout out to Blake Snell. He's just a cool dude.
0: Yeah, or more probably Snellzilla, right? Snellzilla, yeah, he's the man. That's his gamer tag. so. I
1: I love Blake. And he helped me go to the finals when he had his Cy Young year in fantasy. I had tons of shares oh, yeah. of him across the board. So he helped me a lot in fantasy. I love that dude. He's awesome. But moving on to Wednesday, August 31st from the batter's box article, two tickets to the gunner show by Dave Swan. We start with Lars Newtbar of the Cardinals. He went one for one with a Homer, a run two RBI, two walks and a stolen base. Now Newt had a night at the plate and I say night because he wasn't in the starting lineup. He pinch hit in the ninth inning, got a walk and a stolen base. Then the game proceeded to go into extra innings. He had another walk, and after that, hit a 2-run homer in the 13th. Not bad for someone who only played 5 innings of baseball and didn't start the game. Pretty remarkable. It sucks because I had him in all my benches because he wasn't playing. Why would I start him? So, really unfortunate in my daily leagues. But Newt Barr has been incredible since August 18th. He's slashing 302. 439 670 with five home runs and one stolen base if you need a hot hitter to ride for a playoff run look no further than newt bar who's available in 46 percent of yahoo leagues and currently newt bar is leading off against right-handed pitching since he's a left-handed hitter Edmonds batting lead off when it's a left-handed pitcher because edmund's a switch hitter so newt bar's been leading off against right-handed pitching And they face mainly right-handed pitchers. So Nupar's been really, really good this season. Pick him up, ride him as a hot bat. It's what you can do to help win your fantasy playoffs. And then Xander Bogarts of the Red Sox. He went two for four with a double, a homer, a run, five RBI, a walk, and a stolen base. Talk about padding the stats there. Monster day at the plate for Bogarts. A homer, five RBI, and a steal is really as much as you can ask for any player on any given night. Bogarts isn't having a phenomenal year from a power perspective. He's only got 12 homers, where he hit 23 in 2021 and 33 in 2019. Still, Xander has been productive with a 308, 376, 460 slash line, 70 runs, 60 RBI, and an added bonus of 8 stolen bases. He's the 9th best shortstop in a standard Yahoo 5x5 category league and has given you a little bit of everything. It might not be everything that you wanted from a player that you drafted within the first 3 to 4 rounds, but he's been solid as usual. That's what you get from Bogart's consistency, a normal guy you can rely on that's going to give you like 20 homers, 5 stolen bases and a 300 average. So, Bogart's has been all right this season.
0: Yeah, I also love uh the story behind Lars Nootbaar where basically he was like, I'm not that good. I should go to drive line. And he goes to drive line and then it like turns out like he's actually been really really solid like you mentioned. Um he fixed he fixed something and it worked out for him and uh yeah, like you mentioned he's he's gonna pretty much play most days um and I think it's they're giving him that opportunity and he's surrounded with two MVP candidates. um so I think there's just an, a lot of uh, counting stats opportunity for newbar uh with the season moving forward.
1: Oh, absolutely. When you're leading off, and he also, by the way, bats ninth. He still plays every day. He's not a platoon guy. So he's mm-hmm. playing every day. He bats ninth against lefties. He bats first against righties. And when you're mm-hmm. batting first, and the following guys behind you are Tyler O'Neill, Nolan Arenado, and Paul Goldschmidt, you're probably going to score a lot of runs as long as you're getting on base, and he's getting on right. base. So newbar has yeah. been great. And fun fact, Newbar has the weirdest spelling of his name ever. It's n 2 os T. B two A's and an R. I've never seen back to back of the same vowel in the same name. He, he is maybe a top five last name in the, in the majors. Easily, Newt bar? You can. He sounds like a candy bar. It's awesome.
0: Right, and his first name's Lars, which is like also just great. You know, it it's would like even it's... be
1: better if it was Mars. Mars Right, exactly. Would
0: be... <laughs> Mars Newt Bar. Exactly. Yeah.
1: But moving on to pitchers, we've got the SP roundup article, Anibal Collective from Nick Pollock. We start off with Lance Lynn of the White Sox. He went 7 innings, 1 earned run, 4 hits, no walks, 8 strikeouts against the Royals. I'm so happy to say this, Lance Lynn is back. This is the guy that I was hoping to have when I drafted him in practically every league this season. Literally 4 of 5 leagues I roster Lance Lynn in. It's unfortunate that it's coming after a 2 month injury, a month of struggling, and when I've been mostly eliminated from playoff contention across the board, but still, it's great to see. Over his last seven starts, Lynn has a 2.83 ERA, 0.90 whip, 29% strikeout rate, and four quality starts. You should definitely feel confident in starting him from here on out. Lance Lynn is back. And speaking of pitchers being back, Trevor Rogers of the Marlins, he went six innings pitched, one earned run, five hits, one walk, and five strikeouts against the Rays. This one is a little less confident than Lynn since Rodgers only has one good start under his belt since returning, but he looked wonderful on Wednesday. In his last rehab start, he said that he felt the best he had all season, and it proved to be true after this start against the Rays as well. His slider wasn't great, which he definitely needs to get back into that ace form that he displayed last season, but the changeup looked really good and it looks like he's actually made some improvements after the struggles from earlier this year. If he's out there on your wire, now might be the time to snatch him up, especially with the playoffs right around the corner, so keep an eye on Trevor Rogers. He's looked pretty good since that rehab start. And of course, Jacob DeGrom of the Mets posted a golden goal against the Dodgers, going seven innings pitched, one earned run, three hits, one walk, and nine strikeouts. He had 25 whiffs and a 44% CSW against the best team in baseball. Unbelievable. Brandon Nimmo actually made the catch of the year in this start when Justin Turner smacked a DeGrom offering to straightaway center field. Nimmo jumped up, robbed him of a home run, had so much emotion. It was so awesome to see, and it's great to see Goat. I mean, DeGrom back in action. It's just really, really cool. Also, quick shout-out to Garrett Cole of the Yankees and Kyle Wright of the Braves, who had great pitching performances on Wednesday as well, but we talked about them recently. so.
0: Yeah, DeGrom, it's, it's funny because uh, he comes back from this injury— and he was the most dominant pitcher in August. Like he's like first, he's at least top three in like so many metrics. Um, it's kind of insane how good he's he's been this this season. Um, I'm very curious about Lance Lynn, not for the rest of the season, but for next season. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, like, I mean, I, the 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 team that I had Lance Lynn in is the team that I'm out of the playoffs in. Of course. So I w- not not able to experience any of this you know this greatness. Um, but it is his fastball has gone down in its uh its velocity the sinker is also pretty low as well for a guy who's so fastball dependent um i am curious on how he's going to change up his pitch mix if the velocity isn't there um you know we saw that from beaver this year where his velocity was down but he was able to figure out something with the secondaries lancelin he's 35 you know he's not getting any younger um If he's losing those power pitches, I am curious if he's going to be able to develop any secondaries in the next, you know, one or two seasons um, where he is still effective. Um, And we've seen pitchers, you know, go have much longer careers, you know, Adam Wainwright, Justin Verlander, just as two examples. Uh, So I'm very interested to see what Lance Lynn, how he performs next year. Um, And if he's a guy that, is still like a top 30 guy that you can still rely on. He's still going to get those strikeouts um, and is still going to provide in, in really helpful ways for your fantasy team.
1: Yeah, he's 35 years old right now, and he'll be 36 next year. And that's not too old. Obviously, we see Verlander and Wayne Wright still pitching well, well into their older 30s. But Lance Lynn, he's so fastball reliant, like you said, and he's a big fastball pitcher. So if he doesn't have the velocity there, you really got to think, hey, what can he do? But as you can see right now, he's doing fine with the lower velocity. He really yep. has done mm-hmm. better. And I think he just needs to become a little bit more of a pitcher, maybe develop that change up a little bit more or slider, just add something into the mix where it's not so fastball dependent. And I think he'll be fine, mm-hmm. but it's definitely a question to bring up.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I guess another thing to bring up too, is that in this start, um, yeah, his fastball was kind of at 93, which has been his yearly average. So he's, he's figured out something at least this year. Right. Like, he's like, yeah, I get it. The velocity is not going up anymore. I mean, yeah, it's one mile an hour, you know, whatever. Um, I know last year, you know, Sarah's had a really interesting article about effectiveness of, of velocity and how, like, when you lose a tick here or there, it's important. I think, like, from 90 to 94, it's not as important. Right. Um, So maybe Lance Lynn is kind of hovering at that range. He's like, hey, you know, it's not 94, but it's 93. I'm still able to work with it. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, and like, and, you know, last seven starts, right? 2.83 ERA, 0.9 whip, 29% strikeout rate, four quality starts. He's definitely figured out something, even with that lower velocity. I just, yeah, hope it continues into next season.
1: Oh, absolutely. I I do yeah. too. I just want to see him succeed and maybe get some use out of him next season because I couldn't get much out of him this year. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Also, quick shout out to uh, Jack Flaherty, who in a rehab start, like touched 100. Yeah, I heard um, that. Yeah, I'm not saying he's back, but that's kind of interesting. Uh, I also interesting that, for next year.
1: <laughs> I also heard that the gun is pretty hot in that specific spot. Like, wherever ah, he pitched, I heard that the guns sure. are hot in that. So maybe it's not 100. Maybe it's like 98 and the gun was okay. just hot. But I heard sure. the same thing, that it was 100.
0: Right. I'm like, oh, that's very interesting. But, of course, like, in classic Jack Clarity fashion, like, I bet you as soon as he gets picked up, like, drafted high next year, he's going to get injured.
1: Yeah, okay. of course.
0: <laughs> so yeah uh moving on to thursday performances i uh, to start with ty france of the mariners i uh, went super far with two rbis one home run and one run as well uh yeah the mariners feasted on eduardo Rodriguez today they tagged him for six runs with ty france contributing to two of those hitting a homer in the third following that up with an rbi single in the fourth it was kind of funny we were talking about this on um on baseball trivia channel in the the discord PL plus discord and we were talking about how america has like you know the worst um Rate for homers, right? It's one of the worst parks for homers. And then J. Rod proceeds to hit a homer, and then Ty France proceeds
1: to hit a homer, back to back, yeah,
0: yeah. So the Mariners were just kind of like, oh yeah, is this the worst park to hit a home run in? Um, well, we play in Safe, you know, T-Mobile Park. We're kind of okay with how bad that park is. So, yeah, we'll just we'll be fine in america as well. So, uh, cool for the Mariners. Uh, but yeah, France has been having a really solid year this year. Obviously, he had a really hot start in April. But it's kind of continued throughout the season. He's nearing his career high for home runs and RBIs with still a month to go. He's also demonstrated a more patient approach at the plate with his lowest uh, strikeout rate uh, in his career this season. Um, Yeah, he did come back to earth a little bit in June and July, but it went on a tear against in August. Um, He did finish the month with seven straight games without a hit, which, you know, that just happens in baseball. But yeah, the Mariners will need every bit of France's offense as they continue their postseason push. And it looks like he is ready to deliver. And then AJ Pollock with the White Sox went two for four with two RBIs and a home run today. Uh, The White Sox took the rubber match in their three-game series against the Royals, which they should. They are the third-ranked team in the AL Central. Um, And, yeah, they've been having some issues with uh, Tony La Russa. Uh, Obviously, he's having health issues. Hopefully, he's doing well. Um, But, yeah, the White Sox were able to finally kind of show a little bit of life. Uh, Pollock added a homer in the eighth to solidify their lead. His 10th of the year, which is kind of crazy considering that he usually is kind of in that 15 to 20 range. This year has just not been good for Pollock. He has a career low slash line of 240, 287, 378. And yeah, like he, his career OPS is actually 803. He's been pretty consistent with that. But this year it's just been in the kind of the mid-600s, um, which just has not been good. Um, Pollock is probably usually a guy that you had on your bench in the past few seasons. Uh, but yeah, this year just... Not a good pickup off the waiver wire, but it's good to see him kind of get back and, and get a homer today.
1: I was big on France last season, this season. I like France a lot, especially with the Mariners kind of being a refurbished team that looks really strong with J-Raw joining mm-hmm. the team and just a lot of good stuff going on in Seattle. Yep. And then AJ Pollock, quite the opposite. is like he was a decent guy last season, and mm-hmm. this season he just fell off a cliff. He's just someone that's like a guy you would... Expect to fill in well because Luis Roberts missed a bunch of time, and Pollock is kind of like right. that fourth outfielder sort of guy, mm-hmm. and he just hasn't done really much of anything.
0: Right. It was weird too because when he got traded to the White Sox, everyone's like, "Oh, how does he fit in here?" Because you know they had Andrew Vaughn, they had Luis robert they had Aloy Jimenez. Yep. Uh, yeah, they had injuries, and then like Tony Larusa does the classic Tony Larusa thing and bats like Pollock like second in the lineup instead of Andrew Vaughn, and it's just frustrating, you know fantasy managers everywhere so it's like oh maybe they're gonna actually like rely on Pollock and then Pollock ends up having his like worst career
1: year so it always works out that way right
0: yeah exactly um yeah well moving on to pitchers uh Logan Gilbert of the Mariners had a really solid day today six innings two hits one walk and nine strikeouts against Detroit uh did not give up any runs very efficient day he actually finished the game I think with around 70 pitches um 84, sorry. So yeah, he he had a pretty efficient game today. He had 84 pitches going into the sixth and then they pulled him. Um he had 17 whiffs, which is pretty pretty solid for having only 84 pitches. Um yeah, majority of those came on the four seamer. It's kind of a classic Logan Gilbert game where the four seamer was on point and his other secondaries were kind of just just there in, you know, providing a little bit of help, but not too much. Um he has struggled over the past few games, gave up quite a few runs in his past few starts. Um, but he is shaping up to be a pretty solid number three pitcher in the rotation for Seattle. Um, and you kind of come playoff time. That number three guy is going to be important. And the fact that they get to rely on Logan Gilbert as the number three behind Luis Castillo and Robert Ray is kind of, it's kind of solid for the Mariners. And then Clayton Kershaw, as we talked about came back on Thursday, he had five innings with one hit one earned run three, three walks, six strikeouts against the Mets. Um, yeah. He made his return from the IL after being out for some back issues Pretty solid outing. There wasn't actually too much change in his velocity, so I think he's actually like fully healthy, um, which it's kind of hard to say about Kirsch because he tends to get hurt a lot now. Um, But yeah, the fastball-slider combo was really decent, uh, getting whiffs with the slider, getting called strikes with the fastball. Hopefully he's able to stay healthy for the rest of the season and then we get to see this matchup again in the NLCS.
1: I hope that the Dodgers are eliminated by that point just so that the Mets can coast to a World Series, but... (laughs) But... Kershaw being back is always great for the sport. I mean, one of the best pitchers of our generation. It's so great to see Mm -hmm. him on the mound and just be able to watch him operate every single five days. So it's really cool to see Kershaw back and hopefully healthy for the remainder of the season. And Logan Gilbert's been really good, but really shaky at some points. I don't know. It's so Mm -hmm. weird because his fastball is the, like, one thing he has. Yeah. And it's just so coin-flippy if Gilbert's going to be good on any given day.
0: His... his um. His pitch mix today was hilarious: sixty-five percent fastballs, twenty-six uh, percent sliders, and then um, he threw seven other pitches. <laughs> like, that really? Weren't, that weren't those two? Yeah, he had four knuckle curves, two changeups, and one sinker. Wow. Twenty-two sliders, fifty-five fastballs. Like he's so fastball dependent. He literally, he legitimately only has two pitches, um, which maybe kind of explains why the you know the Mariners yanked him after the sixth inning, but he's succeeding somehow with it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, good for him. And it's kind of interesting thinking about the NL uh and kind of who's potentially going to be in the World Series. Because on one hand, it's like Kirsch only has one World Series ring. I'd, I'd, I think for his career, I'd love to see him have more. At the same time, Degrom has zero rings, and it just feels like a crime that he hasn't won a World Series at all.
1: Degrom doesn't even have a hundred wins. <laughs> 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 Let alone yeah, World <laughs> Series ring. He has not even got a hundred wins.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, like I'm. I'm legitimately happy for the Mets that they are doing so well this season. Um, It's going to be a really fun playoffs. I'm very excited for it.
1: Yeah, I really want to see this team win badly because I love this team. And I don't know how much of it we're going to have next season with DeGrom, Edwin Diaz, and Nimmo all being free agents. So I'm hoping that we get all three of them, and I think it's realistic. I think Steve Cohen wants yeah. them all to stay. He said openly that he will give DeGrom whatever he wants, really, and just if DeGrom wants to stay. Edwin Diaz, mm-hmm. I'm sure, would love to stay after this whole trumpet thing exploded and the Timmy yeah. Trumpet live thing happened. It's just been so awesome, and New York really has Edwin Diaz's back right now. And then mm-hmm. Nimmo is proven to be like a captain of this team, and it's something that you really need, and he's one of the best defensive center fielders, so... Yeah. I don't know what more you can ask for. It's right. three guys that we kind of really need to sign.
0: Yeah. I, also- I, I think it's just going to happen. I mean, like Steve Cohen has shown that he has the deep pockets. I I don't see how you not sign the best pitcher in baseball and the best reliever in baseball. I agree. Right? Like it just seems ridiculous to not do that.
1: This dude spent $141 million on a statue that looks like uh, a stick figure. And, he's got to be able to shell out whatever it is for these three guys. It's all if, if they want to stay here, because I think that's the philosophy now in New York is yeah. if you like it here and our new philosophy and you like our whole system, then yeah. Steve Cohen's going to make sure that you're signed. But if you don't mm-hmm. want to be here, then you can freely go.
0: Yeah. Also quick shout out. Uh, Edwin Diaz was on fire last night in his performance. Um, just mowed down his inning, you know, took care of business against the Dodgers. Uh, and also my boy, Yohan Duran uh, threw a hundred mile an hour splinker. I saw that. The fastest off-speed pitch ever recorded, which like kind of impressive when you think about like, we were going insane over Edward Cabrera's like 96 mile an hour changeup. Yep. And then Cabrera's like, and then uh, Duran's like, hold my beer. Uh, here's a splinker at a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> um, it's kind of funny. Cause you know, it kind of came up with that conversation. Like what is an off-speed pitch? Right. Like,
1: yeah.
0: Um, it it's kind of interesting if you looked at the metrics on Statcast because it is not his four seamer fastball. He's legitimately throwing like a different pitch than his fastball. Um, it had you know less I think it was like less spin or you know some less movement on it than his his fastball normally would. Uh, but yeah, hundred mile an hour splinker, which is kind of insane.
1: I just want to know, like, when do we start calling pitches something else? Like, DeGrom throws a 93-mile-per-hour slider. When do we just call that, yeah. like, a sliding fastball? You know, like, that's, right. that's faster than most people's fastball. I don't understand. Like, that's not a slider. Yeah. That's just a fast-sliding fastball. <laughs> right. I
0: mean, like, if you think about it, right, like, the, the fast slider, you know, technically is the cutter.
1: Yeah, right. But he's not throwing a cutter. That thing has got movement on it. No, that, it's That crazy. cutters you don't have. It's crazy. Yeah. And also, I want to officially name Logan Gilbert the future Lance Lynn. Ah,
0: okay. That's a... we'll, see if he, we'll see if he can get that sinker and, and cutter uh, numbers up, because right now it's just the fastball and the sliders. So. Yeah,
1: I need to see a little bit more out of Gilbert. I hope he develops more secondary pitches. But for now, future Lance Lynn, because he's so fastball dependent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but now let's get into the streamers for this upcoming weekend. John, what do you have for us?
0: Yeah, well, we kind of already spoiled two of them for you, but uh, <laughs> we'll still talk about them. Uh, Saturday, we've got Austin Baugh, uh of the Orioles. He's 12%. Uh, rostered on Yahoo six percent rostered on ESPN the reason why we're really recommending him is not just because he did well against the Astros but because he's going against the A's and we just talked about how Garrett Cole destroyed the A's I'm not saying Austin is Garrett Cole but he's probably going to have a good game against them it should be a pretty easy matchup for him uh, so yeah, I I'd say go get Voth. I'm getting Voth on my points team. Cause I desperately need the start.
1: Yeah. So um, when we also recommend these streamers, everybody, we take our own advice and use them in our <laughs> fantasy leagues as well. Just for reference, like yeah. i stream people that we've recommended and sometimes it doesn't work out. And sometimes it does. I think for the most part this year, we've actually recommended pretty good options and they've done pretty well. So it's good yeah. to see that. But we also take this advice. We don't just put this out there and say, Hey, do this. We don't care what happens to you. We're doing the same thing. So
0: Yeah, I would love to see what our record is, because I will admit, uh, I apologize in advance, last week's recommendations were terrible.
1: Yeah, Um, we didn't do too hot last week.
0: (laughs) They were not good last week, so uh, yeah, we do not always hit on them, but... When it's Austin Voth against the A's, I think that's going to work out. Yeah. Um, I have his teammate, though, on Sunday. Spencer Watkins uh, also goes up against the A's. 9% roster on Yahoo, 5% roster on ESPN. I recommended Watkins about a month ago for a supposedly cushy matchup against the Pirates, and then they tagged him for four runs at 5.1 innings. So maybe he isn't obviously as good in the matchups as we think he is. Um, he's been pretty fairly. He's been pretty mid- mediocre since that point, with only one quality start coming against the White Sox. Still, it's hard to not love this matchup for Watkins. Um, I don't know if he's the best guy to go on Sunday, but in terms of his matchup and what he has shown that he's capable of doing, I think it's a good idea. And then Jose Suarez of the Angels, like we mentioned, uh, 11% roster on Yahoo, 6% roster on ESPN. He goes against the Tigers on Monday. Yeah, he's put together a decent number of starts over the last month. He has some pretty good strikeout numbers to back it up as well. And, you know, pretty much averaging about one per inning, which is nice to see. The soft matchup against the Tigers should help. The last time he had a matchup this easy, also against the A's, he pitched seven shutout innings with eight strikeouts. So if he can do that against the A's, I think he can do that against the Tigers, who, like I mentioned last week, uh, just don't look like they enjoy playing baseball right now. Um, (laughs) There's... I, I mentioned it last week, I mentioned it again, Javier Baez literally let a strike down the middle of the plate for uh, strike three, and it, he just looked so dejected. That team has no morale right now.
1: Yeah, no, they look really bad, and this is honestly the first week of streamers where all three options, I'll probably do as well. Like Usually we have one or two that I would do, but I would do all mm-hmm. three of these, Voth, Watkins, and Suarez. I just think the matchups are really good. I think the pitchers are decent enough to get you what you need for a streamer. I like all of them. I wouldn't even rank them in any order. I just like every single option for every single day. So hopefully they do well because I'd like to recommend good guys and not bad guys for all of you. Yeah. <laughs> but that's going to do it for this week's podcast. If you enjoyed, make sure you follow us on Twitter at this PL. Also, send us your comments and questions to ThisWeekPLpod at gmail.com. You can send us anything fantasy-related to our email or on Twitter, and we will answer it. You can also find John on Twitter at Ka, that's T-H-E-J-O-H-N-K-E, and you can find myself on Twitter at Regicidal, that's R-E-G-I-C-I-D-A-L. Also, please subscribe to the Pitcherless podcast feed, and subscribe to or follow this podcast on wherever you listen to your podcasts, at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Make sure you follow us, and please leave a five-star review if you did enjoy the show. Lastly, sign up for PitcherList Plus by doing so. You can join us in the PitcherList Discord and get advice from all of the fantasy experts and writers over there. It's a great resource, so make sure you go to PitcherList.com and sign up for PitcherList Plus. But that's going to do it for this week. We will be back next week recapping another week in fantasy baseball. For John, I am Lee. We'll see you all in the next one. Later, everyone.